1 Kings 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and also how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. It's a little bit like the Apostle Paul said, well, that Satan had sent a messenger against him. There is an enemy and... Uh, it is like people who stand strong for God, people who speak for God, people who are radical for God. And so a messenger was sent and, uh, and, um, to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, when, he, when Elijah saw that, he saw that he arose and ran for his life. When he saw that, you know, the Bible doesn't say when he heard that. The Bible says when he saw that. Isn't that interesting? He heard words, but words form pictures. And Elijah started seeing a picture of defeat, a picture of danger, and, and, and a picture was kind of a seed of the wrong picture was sown into his mind, and, his, and he ran for his life. And he went through a period of, of depression and hiding and Let's jump to verse 9. And, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, so the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, I, am, I alone am left, and they seek to save my life. A sense of loneliness, a sense of... Uh, Fear and, uh, and, and this is what the Lord said to him in verse, uh, verse uh, 15. It says, then the Lord said to him, go return. On your way, go return. Go. God is a, God is a, <laughs> God wants to reconnect this man with his assignment. Go. You know, go. You know, don't, don't ever allow the enemy through fear and through um, circumstances to deviate, to detour you from your assignment. Amen. Go, go, return, go back. Go back to that place where, and the things that God has spoken to you. Verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. In other words, you're not alone. We, you're not alone. I have reserved. I have in the cellars of God, there was a special reserve, 7,000 vessels. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I believe that in these crazy last days that we are living in, God has a special reserve. God has a special church, amen, that is going to unleash so that His purposes will, be, will, will come to pass on earth. Come on. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Come on. Somebody help me preach today. This is the first one I still have. Another message, and then I have the third service in Mandarin, so help me. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. Oh me, oh something. Come on. Verse 19. So he departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing a 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was, he was with, the, with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, the Adoreth, which is um, a special mantle made of of animals' hair that, that the prophets wore, and he set it on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow him. Verse 21, So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh 
using the oxen's equipment and gave to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his, in turn, his, his servant. I want to speak to you today from this passage, leaving your assignment. And Elijah was a prophet who lived at a time when Israel, especially the northern kingdom, was ruled by kings who were degenerate, who were vicious, who were cruel, and who didn't serve God, but they fully devoted themselves to the gods of the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They were completely backslidden and away from God. But Elijah had an assignment, and the assignment was to bring God's word and to demonstrate God's power to people who were were far away from God. And you know what? That is still the assignment that we have. Amen. Our assignment is to tell people who are far away from God about the good news of Jesus and to demonstrate His power. Amen. Thank you for that one amen. I'll buy you coffee. <laughs> Praise God. And, and this passage relates to a time when the prophet emerges from a time of deep discouragement. And I, 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 you know the stuff going on in the world right now that would bring discouragement upon us. There are things right now planned in our own parliament right here that if we would focus too much on them, it would bring discouragement on us as well. But our assignment stands, amen? The plan of God stands. The love of God stands, amen? Come on, hallelujah. And Elijah, you know, he felt alone and he, was, he felt like he was fighting a, a losing battle. But you see, God brought a Elisha into his life, <laughs> And, um, and, and not just to be an intern, but to encourage him. You know, God is into teamwork. God is into teamwork. We can do so much more if we work together, you know, to bring about the assignment, of the plan of God for mankind. And so God had, uh, this man thought, well, I'm the only one finding this. God said, well, number one, there's, there's 7,000. And, and secondly, I'm going to send someone uh, whose name actually sounds a little bit like your name, Elisha. And he's going to be with you. And he's going to be encouraging you. And so God is into teamwork. Three, Deuteronomy 32 verse 30 says this. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? Well, that's the power of association. That's the power of combined, of people coming together. Amen. I tell you what, the work of God is never, God never intended it to be done by any one person. It doesn't matter how anointed they are, like Elijah was highly anointed. It doesn't matter. God works through teams. One can achieve so much, but two, wow, that's exponential power being released. Hallelujah. And God is also not into teamwork, but God, not just into teamwork, but God is also into generations. No one generation can do everything. And the Lord was calling Elijah to stop weeping over his past and trying to escape his present. And God was talking to him about preparing the future. Amen. The future. And, and God was saying, well, it's great, but now... Now I've got someone that I want to position for the future. So God is into generations. I so thank God for for our young people in our church. Can we give our young people a big hand? Hallelujah. We need 
We need to cherish our young people. We need to encourage our young people. We need to, we need to come alongside our young people. Amen. We, we need to appreciate them and buy them coffee once in a while. Hallelujah. Amen. When, when we come in and they tell us to QR code, and well, I mean, don't, don't get angry with them. Just, just appreciate them. They're, they put their hand to the plow. They're saying, I'm going to do, you know how hard it is for teenagers to wake up and be in church this early. <laughs> so thank God for our young people. Amen. Thank God for our elderly. Thank God for everyone in between. Hallelujah. Amen. Because this work is to be done by generations. And not by just individuals, but, by, but corporately by everybody. So today I want to look at this encounter, this unusual encounter that we read about uh, regarding Elijah and Elisha. And I, first of all, I want you to know that it's, it was not a, a casual encounter. It just didn't just kind of bump into him. It was not just something random and accidental. But it was one of those life-changing God moments. Something happened in that moment and... Uh, I want you to know that God doesn't do random, God doesn't do accidental. Even you sitting here this morning or people watching right now, at the sound of my voice, it is not an accident that you've tuned in on YouTube or that you came into this service today. God does not do random, God does not do accidental. This message this morning, this moment is orchestrated by God because God wants to impart, to release something into your life, some spices into your, into your mix. God, God's going to release a word, amen? And so when Elijah saw this man plowing in a field with 12 oxen, 12 yoke of oxen, he, he saw more than a man working the ground in the sweat of his face. He saw a man that was about to be anointed and appointed to live life in a different dimension. A man who was about to be plugged into his life's assignments. And, you know, he's seeing someone working the soil, and, and he's thinking, well, I need someone like that, someone who knows what it is to work through hard soil, because the, the hearts of people in Israel were hardened, and I want you to know something, uh, and, and we, we hear this all the time, you know, the hearts of people in Australia are hardened, but you know what, God has called us to put our hand to the plow, and, and to, to, you know, revolve, and, and to move that soil, and make it soft, and, and because people are going to come to Jesus in Australia, people are going to come to Jesus in Melbourne, come on church, <laughs> hallelujah, and God saw a man who had leadership all over him, he said, well, he can steer 12 yokes of oxen for sure, there's enough leadership in him to steer the 12 tribes of Israel. So he was a seer. Prophets were called seers. And, and when he looked down and he saw Elijah, Elisha, he saw more than man, just another farmer, more than just a, a rich farmer. He saw someone that the anointing of God was going to come upon his life. And I tell you what, I stand here today as Elijah. No, I'm not Elijah, I'm Luis Cabral. But anyway, just, <laughs> but I stand here, amen, looking at Elisha's of God, looking at men and women that God wants to use, amen. God wants to empower. God wants to pour out his spirit and his anointing so that you get out there and you move hardened hearts, hallelujah. Praise God. And you bring the plans and the purposes of God. Into the earth. Hallelujah. You know, two men that, were, that met 
at two different levels. One comes from the presence of God in the mountain and has just experienced a move of God in his life. And the other one is Elisha. Elisha is at work in the field and at that point is unaware of any divine plan for his life. One is on a divine mission. The other one, you know, is just... It's just fulfilling the basic mission of natural life, which is to work and to make a living. And most people I know perhaps stand where Elisha was standing that day, probably unaware that beyond your nine-to-five your occupation, that beyond you know, your natural life and making a living, that there is a divine assignment for your life. And I stand here today like Elijah. Again, I am not Elijah. I'm Luis Cabral. But anyway, uh, I'm here to tell you on behalf of God, amen, that God has a plan for your life. That God has a purpose for your life. That you need to plug yourself into that plan. And don't, you don't need to just live life on the natural. You can live life plugged into your divine assignment. And, and God wants you to enter his mission. Now, Elijah, you know, today's message is really about letting you know that God has an assignment for your life. And if you don't remember anything else, just remember this. God has an assignment for your life. And you can live, you can live in this natural dimension or you can be bold, take a risk and embrace a life driven by a sense of assignment and of divine purpose for your life. You can live a missional life on purpose. You know, if you ever wondered about the secret to a happy and fulfilled life, this is it. Finding your assignment and leaving the reason for which you were born. You know, plug yourself into the assignment of God for your life. I feel that so many people leave disconnected from that assignment, disconnected from knowing what, what on earth am I here for? And I remember as a, as a young, as a teenager, you know, growing up without God, I remember many times wondering, what is the purpose of God for my life? Why am I here? I remember, you know, as a little guy, I, I saw the very first um, funeral. Someone, a relative, and I, and he was still young, and I, there he is going into the grave, and I, I thought, well, I was just a little guy. I was probably 10 years of age. And I remember very clearly thinking, what is this thing all about? Why do we leave? Why am I here? I had no idea because I wasn't a Christian. I grew up like that until the age of 18 when I received Jesus. And I can tell you, but this is my testimony, that when I met Jesus, I, I, I plugged into a sense. I, really, I discovered the purpose of God for my life. That I wasn't here just to take up oxygen and be part of the ecosystem and, and be born and die and then my, have my body kind of fertilize the soil and out of it come plants and just be part of the ecosystem. No, no. We're here for a, we have a divine assignment. We have something to do on planet Earth. Come on. Hallelujah. So God wants you to enter his mission. Now, the th my third point is this. Elisha. He could have resisted the call. After all, his hands were full, literally. He was, he was plowing with 12 yokes of oxen. He could have said, sorry, Elijah, uh, choose someone else in the church to be volunteer for your prophetic ministry because I, my hands are full. I've got 12 yokes of oxen, which means actually that he, had, he must have had a very sizable property, a land 
a very, very sizable land. He was, he was very wealthy. He could have said, my hands are full. Can't you see my hands are full? He could have said, uh, well, you know what? I've got so much at stake. I've got my, my whole family's enterprise. I've got this whole farming business going. I've got people. I've got staff. I've got all these things. And, and you know, that's a lot. You know, he had, he had a lot to lose because he was very wealthy, obviously. Lastly, he had the expectation of his parents. It's very interesting that he, he tells Elijah, can I just go back and just kiss my parents? You know, he still had a duty of honor. He still wanted to honor his parents, which is the first commandment with a promise. You know, honor your father and mother. So, you know, it is a good thing. He did a good thing. He said, well, I don't want to dishonor. For sure, they had an expectation that, that Elisha was going to be this very prosperous farmer, and uh, there was that expectation. So he had many reasons. He could have said, Elijah, just go and choose somebody else for the job because I'm way too busy. I've got too much happening. But, but, he, he, but he responded to the call, regardless of the cost. Of course, he didn't disown his parents. He came back to them, and, and he did everything right. However, once the decision was made, he didn't even look back, and all the stuff that he, that he had to uh, that were part of his former life. Now that he's embraced his assignment, he just made a big bonfire and a big uh, barbecue and gave it to... It, it's like, you know, I'm cutting myself off from my past. I've connected with a divine purpose for my life and I don't ever want to look back. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. He said, he said that not one, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen. It's like, man, just go all the way. Go, go all in. Just fully immerse yourself in the plan of God for your life. Now, you know, God always calls busy people. He called Elisha, who was already was at work. He called Saul, uh, who was looking for donkeys, and he was in charge of his, of course, his, his family's enterprise. And, and he called David when he was out there, already busy tending the sheep. And God called Amos, who was also behind the sheep kind of, and then he said, when King Amaziah came to him, he said, Amos 7.14, he said, I, I, have, I was no prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breather and a tender of a sycamore fruit. And, 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 and there you are, God used Amos to become, Amos, Amos connected with the divine purpose of God for his life. Amen. And, and we have, have you ever read Amos in the Bible? You better read Amos. Uh, otherwise, you'll get to heaven. And Amos will ask you, did you read my book? Did you read what I wrote? Have you ever heard of it? Did your pastor ever preached about me? So you better tell him, yes, yes, pastor, he's mentioned you. Here's the, here's the YouTube link. Now, <laughs> Nehemiah, Nehemiah was, you know, the king's cupbearer. He was out in the kitchen, already busy with those pots and pans of the king. But God used him to rebuild Jerusalem. God always looked for people who were busy. Peter was a fisherman. Andrew, I mean, all those people, they didn't come to some lazy guy under the bridge kind of counting the stars and writing poems. No, he came to, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> he just came to people that were already busy. So they all had excuses. They could all say, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm already doing some. I'm, already, I'm way too busy with my things. They all had a natural occupation. But all of these people had one of those God moments when something shifted in their lives, one of those turning points or one of those divine, uh, uh, divine moments when s suddenly they, they connect with the higher purpose of God 
and find the assignment for which they were born. And I'm, encourage every, I'm encouraging everyone here today towards that shift. Find your calling. Find your place in the mission of God. That is not to say that we are to neglect the natural side of things. That's, that's simply to encourage you to stay, not to stay at the level uh, of just the natural, but to embrace the assignment of God into your life. In, in weave the great commission into your, maybe your daily job. I'm not saying quit your daily job. Maybe God has placed you right there and that's your mission field. Maybe you're a lawyer and that's why God wants you right there. Maybe you're a doctor, that's why God wants you right there. Maybe you're whatever you are, maybe God has you right there for a purpose. But find out, okay, what is the purpose of God in my life and interweave that into whatever you already do. I, I love when I go to Africa and... Um, uh, Africa, I remember when Reinhard Bonke first went to Africa, he had this vision, Africa shall be saved. He used to say that. And I remember in the early days, even when we went to Africa, that it's amazing that probably that whole continent now, I mean, probably more than 50% of people are born again, spirit-filled Christians. And one of the wonderful things that I love when I go to Africa is you go to some place and you see, hallelujah, hairdresser. You see some guy driving a taxi. On the, on the outside, they have, you know, um, uh, you know uh, the angel of the Lord encamps around those, who, you know. I, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. It, they interweave the plan of God. They interweave the Great Commission into what they are already doing. I was just uh, watching a Premier League game just last week. Uh, one of the teams in, in the Premier League, and I, I, I called my wife. I said, come, come here, come here. Because on the stands, they had this huge sign saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Wow, praise God, amen. A soccer club, you know, declaring all of, you know, for the whole world, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. So find the assignment of God for your life. Myself, but I thought that only pastors and missionaries had, you know, callings. No. Let me give you just four or five scriptures quickly before we close. Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, holy brethren, any holy brethren here today? Amen. All right. Good. Just checking. Just checking. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers. What's a partaker? It's, it's, it's someone who partakes of the heavenly calling. Everyone say heavenly calling. So the heavenly calling is... It's shared. It's a common assignment of all of us. We are all, we all have a heavenly calling. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says that Jesus saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His purpose and according to His grace. Now I want to encourage you this year, go deeper into your purpose. Go deeper into your purpose. By the way, there's a wonderful session on, you can check it online. My wife did it on going deeper into your purpose, isn't it? Go deeper into your purpose. Second Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, As each one has received the gift. Now look at the person next to you and say, You have received the gift. That's, I mean, I think, now, now say again, you need breakfast because that, that didn't come across really like, now just, just say, you have 
Come on. So as you have received the gift, minister to one another. Don't just hold it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that everyone in the church has received a gift. Michael, right here, you have a gift to reach out to those people under the bridge and, and literally, and, and, uh, and Eagle's Nest, a wonderful working, uh, you know, rehab of, of uh, uh, people that, that are addicted and homeless and all that kind of stuff. That is a gift. He's doing something with his gift. I'm sure it would be more comfortable for Michael to do something else, but you, you're getting out there, traveling that whole distance just to bless those people. Amen. Hallelujah. Find your gift and minister it. Their gifts. Some people have the gift of preaching. Some gift have the gift of singing. Some people have the gift of hospitality. Some people have a wonderful gift of being, just being generous and financing the kingdom of God. Some people have a gift of a smile. I love that gift. There are some people that encourage me when I'm preaching because they have a smile. That's a wonderful gift. There's some people with the gift of the fire brigade ministry gift. They, 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 they're wonderful at putting out your fire. That is a gift we don't need in the church. Thank you. Don't put out anyone's fire, but be on fire for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I mean, let me just conclude this. Amen. But let me just say this. Leave three or four points for you to take home. Number one, leave a missional life. You are part of God's plan for mankind. Leave life driven by your heavenly assignment. Number two, pursue and acknowledge God moments and God encounters. Acknowledge this moment right here where Elijah is standing before you. I mean, Luis Cabral is standing before you. I'm telling you, you have a gift, you have an assignment. Come on. Hallelujah. Number three, dream away excess and things that do not belong in your calling. Elisha suddenly realized this stuff does no longer belong in my calling. I put it a fire onto it. I'll make a big bonfire and a barbecue. And that's the last time I look at uh, yokes of oxen. That's it. There's some things that don't belong in your destiny. Don't get entangled with things that will distract you from the plan and the purpose of God for your life. Number four, look for opportunities. Take risks and embrace what God has put in front of you. Amen. Take home these four points. Amen. Did you receive anything from, from the Word today? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.